This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What is up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Here I am. Um, you guys really dropped the ball on me, as did our listeners, because uh, nobody mentioned the succulents for like a month and a half. So they were really on their last legs for a little bit here. <laughs> um, and I put the, the blame for that squarely on your shoulders. Uh, but now, you know, I'm getting ready. We're getting ready to go to Japan here. So, like, I do that thing before I travel where I decide I have to get my entire life in order first. So, you know, I went around and, like, fucking cleaned out my place and vacuumed everything and washed every single piece of clothing I own. And then I was like, oh, the fucking plants. So they're freshly watered now. <laughs> well, That's what's up with me. All right. Glad to hear the succulents got some uh, got some attention. Mike, you're also here. Uh, what's up? And uh, Mike Spears, I think is your name. <laughs> wow. Okay. Hey, y'all. I, I literally got up from a nap like five minutes before we started recording. Big, big bunch of professionalism here. Uh, hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm hanging in there, you know? Uh, have had a real busy audio-filled week, and I have more stuff before the end of the week. A lot of stuff getting done for this show, for my other show, just in general. You know, this is the end of the year, and Things get crazy, you know. I'm heading back down to the compound in a couple days. I'm kind of excited about that. Hang out with some dogs. All's good, man. How are you? I heard. I know you had a busy day yesterday. Yeah, I went up. I was thinking. I was gonna say down. Went up to Cincinnati to see Wickaface Springs Eternal. Excellent show. A lot of fun. Friend of the show, Adam, was uh, very fun to hang out with, and he has requested to appear on our Patreon. So there will be. Wickaface brings eternal Patreon content in the uh, near future, I hope. Sick. We need a, uh, a show topic. Does he have anything in mind that he wants to discuss in particular? So he didn't mention that. See, I left as uh, this dad had weaseled his way back into the green room so that his daughter and her friend could meet Adam. And I just didn't really want to be a part of it. I mean, they were very cute. I was very happy for them. But uh, I just wanted to leave at that point. And as I was leaving, he's like, by the way, I want to do some Patreon content. And I was like, yeah, we'll do that. You see, you buried the lead there saying big green room man, Aaron Bentley up here. Uh, Well, you know, I got to very subtly expose my clout on this show. So subtly, but shamelessly. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that was fun. I I don't know if the listeners have any ideas. What would you like to hear? from uh wickaface springs eternal for patreon content i mean nate mike you guys got any ideas what's jumping out in my mind is the last things that we sort of talked about on the previous show which was like fire pro edits and the saitama super arena i feel like we've covered those i was just uh mulling over the idea of being someone who has dads bring their daughters in to meet you and how bizarre that must be like hey Young man, here's my daughter. 
He told me some funny stories of fan interactions last night. Not sure if he'd be willing to tell those on a on a podcast or not. But if so, that would be really good content. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, I don't. Does he want to relate it to wrestling? Probably, right? He's a wrestling fan. Yes, we talked it's a like, lot of like wrestling. more more a wrestling fan than me. Yeah, we talked a lot of wrestling last night. The guy loves wrestling, so. And I don't think anyone else on this tour cared about wrestling at all. No one else got involved in the conversation. So <laughs> <laughs> he was probably starving for a wrestling conversation. Naturally. Yeah. He also, I'm... he just, uh, for the first time started listening to wrestling observer radio. Hmm. And so he was like very <laughs> entertained by the Dave Bryan interaction. Oh, dude. Jeez. I just, he wants to know like, what is Alvarez's deal? And I was like, well, he doesn't watch wrestling. That's kind of his whole deal. All he does is watch wrestling. <laughs> At the same time, he doesn't. And like, the, I'm just imagining like someone entering like the Observer universe now versus like eight or nine years ago, just because like how things have developed over like that time period. And just like last time I think I've listened to a Wrestling Observer radio, I was just like, oh, Brian is so fixated on his audio technology, but he doesn't watch wrestling and he never does anything about Dave's smoke alarm. And that's almost like, okay, all right. So, yeah, no. I'm, I'm interested to hear what Adam thinks about the dynamic of Observer Radio. As the person who listens, apparently, to the Observer the most often, Brian is right. Brian is almost always right. Especially when he gets in a uh, prolonged argument with Dave, and Dave starts getting really pedantic and uh, really literal about things. And Brian is, you know, uses a lot of hyperbole because that's sort of his thing. Brian is usually right. That's just what I want to say. As a non-listener, I cannot have an opinion on this, but it was funny, and perhaps that's something we can explore on the EEX Wikiphase Patreon content. All right. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. We should do like a merch collaboration. You just said that, EEX Wikiphase. <laughs> we should get our graphic designer, uh, you know, our in-house graphic designer here to whip up some EE logo X Wikiphase long sleeves. I'm just very amused by this idea. I love the idea. There, uh, a lot of the people who are adjacent to Wikiphase and like Gothboy Click are doing these, not quite like the Cody shirt, but they're like no limit style kind of t-shirts. I feel like we could do something with that, with like everything elite in the big like gold letters, you know? Yeah, it might be cool. Maybe. I'll reach out, see what we can. Could, uh, could also just be really super awkward. Yeah, I mean, it could be totally awful, but that's kind of yeah. Either way, it's entertaining. It's part of the me. charm. <laughs> uh, if you want updates on that, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Get this bad boy as soon as it goes up. Give us a rating and review on the podcast app. We are going to talk about elite or delete on this show. We're going to run down Dynamite from last night. I just watched it this morning, so it's very fresh. We're going to talk about the ratings. We got Cody talking about Marty Skrull. We're going to comment on that. And uh, they're going to go to the UK. So we're going to talk about AEW in the UK later in the show. Before we get started, you know I got to plug the Patreon, which we've kind of already done, I suppose. But it's patreon.com slash everything elite. This week, Aaron Taub and I talked about going to Japan, which, uh, as Nate mentioned, we're doing soon. We talked about AEW. Aaron doesn't get to get off his AEW audio takes very often, so he wanted to talk big picture AEW. We did that. 
We talked about why we're both kind of burned out on New Japan. So it was pretty fun. Uh, of course, Mike and, well, we didn't do our normal light, but there was a light that all three of us did a little segment on. That was good. And I got a question for you about BTE on this show, Nate. So that's coming up. And Friday, last Friday, Mike and I did a show about the rankings. If you want to hear me get fired up about Britt Baker, check that out. Next week, uh, it's going to be a surprise on Monday. We'll see. We'll see what comes out on Monday. But lots of content on the Patreon this month. So go check it out. There is a tier for every, um, every I don't know. Budget. Level. Yeah, budget. That's the word. I shouldn't take naps right before the show. A and, tier for every budget. And I've started to sock some away while I'm the designated survivor. While y'all are in Japan. Some of us have to do work here. Some of us have to Riddle. get the lights on. And I'm going to say this. Something that I've recorded this week that will be going up the first week of January is one of the most ridiculous shows I think I've ever done. And it is worth checking out. So there's my hard push for the Patreon in the new year. So get ready for that. All right. Well, we're going to do a... Uh, this is not on the Patreon, of course. This is just pure free audio that we bring to you every week here on Everything Elite. And what do we also do every week? We do Elite or delete which i do wish we had some music for this to be honest like just a little stinger i think would be fun but you know who am i all right <laughs> if you're new to the show uh, we basically just say what was good and what was bad on dynamite so nate hit me with your elite pick of the week uh my elite pick is the opening match kenny omega and adam page versus the lucha brothers uh, this was kind of the highlight of the show. This was the crowd was hottest during this first match, and they were super hot. Uh, and all these guys, I thought, came off really well and got to show a little bit about what they're about. Um, Pentagon is really just like really settling into doing his uh, character shtick. Uh, meanwhile, Phoenix is just like in all four corners, around all four corners of the ring, wreaking havoc, bouncing off things, just like you know, you can't contain the guy. Uh, Paige gets his trademark monster babyface hot tag and, you know, run against two guys. And then you got Kenny in there who's really being received like a star. Um, yeah, a lot to like in this first match. Uh, uh, crowd, <laughs> I don't know if this match burnt them out or, you know, the famous Corpus Christi uh, crowds just kind of uh, lost steam after however long this was. It was a pretty long match. Um, but, yeah, I just really enjoyed this first match. Yeah, this was, this isn't my uh, elite, but they had three very different tag matches on the show. I thought that, that each of the three succeeded in their own way. And I thought that was super interesting. But like this match alone, I don't know if Phoenix got rocked in the opening exchange or it was just like in a mood, but like this was like something more erratic and like, what are you doing, Phoenix? Like, this is like, this is like Lucha Indies Phoenix that you'll get sometimes that you're just like, oh, he's just, he, he just has a wild hair or something. But like, I, I dug it. Uh, I thought it was interesting how they really, and this was one of the shows other than like last few weeks that Lucha Brothers truly came across as a Rudo tag team here, which is something that they've always kind of had this weird tweener thing, like other than the SEU stuff, they've been mostly been received as like this tweener tag team. And they did some real solid, like Lucha heel work there. And I liked how they kind of showed Paige and Omega struggling with this. I thought this was just kind of a fun match. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite match of the night though, but I thought that this was a really kind of cool match. 
All right, well, hit us with what your favorite thing of the night was. Okay. I didn't know if you had something to say about that match or if you were just just feeding it to me. Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so the stuff that I've, I really liked on the show was they've had a real difficulty over the first three months of building up people outside of Darby Allen and, I guess, Scorpio Sky for whatever like role they're putting them in. But I thought they did a tremendous job of having like just little stuff for jungle boy. And I know one of the things was like the Twitter video that they put on before the awesome Kong squash. And then the sit down interview with JR and jungle boy. And really that interview with JR and jungle boy, I thought was tremendous and something that I wish that they would do more that they did a lot during the uh, road to double or nothing in the road to uh, all in where they would have sit down interviews with JR. And I think that's a better use of him necessarily than him every week on commentary so i really liked the jungle boy build and how they kind of built this up throughout the show and then even after the match with jericho's promo with shivoni i thought they did a great job of i don't know if this like made him in the same way that it made darby and made scorpio sky but i thought that this was a very satisfying job that they did this week with jungle boy jack perry i really enjoyed the match i thought the match was really well laid out you can see how that exact match with a more invested audience um, could have been like a really special sort of thing. It didn't get there on this night for whatever reason. Uh, again, I don't know if the crowd was burnt out or maybe the crowd just knew what the finish was going to be and knew exactly where they were going and, you know, sat on their hands until they got there. Maybe that's what it was. But yeah, I just didn't get to that level of uh, investment that I think I, I sort of expected, especially from a Chris Jericho match at this point. But I was uh, really impressed with Jungle Boy's like singles chops. You know, he put together some nice exchanges here and did some nice little hurricane ranas. He stole the lion salt, which was a uh, you know nice little bit, a nice little uh, poke at Jericho. I thought. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed the match. Uh, I, I wish it had gotten a little bit more over than it did. Yeah. So I liked a lot about the match. Well. After the like first 10 minutes, the rest was kind of bad, but that was not officially in the match, <laughs> right? It turns out, uh, not canon. So I don't know. I liked a lot of what they did. I'm not sure that Jungle Boy should have gone to a time limit draw with Jericho. That may be a uh, pedantic, but just like Jungle Boy is so low down on the totem pole, you know, that I feel like if they'd done the early stuff, if he tapped out in the walls, I would have thought it was just about perfect. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree nah, with you I do. on that. I think that in the proprietary Spears system of how I have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of data, and that's how I do the proper rankings and evaluations for these Ross members, Jungle Boy is basically above Peter Avalon, and that's it, on like my singles men's rankings. So like him like getting the win or getting the draw here, especially for someone like Jericho, who now he has two blemishes on his record he made right with the Scorpio Sky one but now he has that draw there I I was really kind of thinking that like when it got to like 945 950 955 I thought it was going to like they timed it because of where Jericho was facing the screens that there was going to be someone's going to give him the Iggy and let him know to tap out at 959 and then it went to a draw and I was like oh okay that's something and then, then like the weirdness afterwards like I like Jericho flipping out him and Jungle Boy's um family getting into it i thought that was tremendous but then like having like the five minute session and then it not counting and then him walking away and there was no count out it just was very 
I don't know. I didn't like that part of it. I thought that if it was just like 959, tap out, no walls of Jericho, it would have been perfect. The way it was, I thought it was fine. No, you're both way wrong. Um, the, the, the beauty of Jericho having the draw blemish on his record is it's his own doing, and he's a heel, and he owned himself because he set up the short time limit that made it be a draw instead of giving him a win. Had he set up you know, a, a normal match with Jungle Boy, then he would have just defeated him, but his own hubris caused him to give Jungle Boy the opportunity to get that you know, uh, a tie against him. And yeah, if he had tapped out at the last second, that just would have, would have killed him, Cause especially because I think Justin Roberts is counting down those final 10 seconds. So if he can hear somebody counting the final 10 seconds and he still taps out, they would have just looked like a huge clown. So oh, yeah. I thought it was a great finish. I thought it should have been before that. I mean, the guy's in the walls for like a minute and a half. I think there was plenty of time. But it's just like, I absolutely, I like the storytelling of of Jericho getting himself in that spot. It's just that my only thing is I'm not sure a guy like Jungle Boy should be able to last 10 minutes unless Jericho does the like, oh, I'm just fucking around. And I, I didn't well, totally he did that. that sense. He, he hit him with two code breakers and had him down for three count and pulled his shoulder up. Sure. So he had him beat, but his own hubris again caused Jungle Boy to to get one up on him. I guess it's I guess it's on me. I think it's my turn now. I'm gonna go slightly off brand. I think you would expect me to talk about Chris Statlander beating Britt Baker, uh, praise be. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm gonna talk about the Young Bucks. I I got a feeling we're gonna talk more about this match later. But I really saw it in this episode. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can consume and enjoy wrestling right you can like work rate heavy stuff you can like it just for who you like you know the people that you connect with there's lots of different ways to consume it but one thing you almost can't not like is when wrestling is really fucking smooth like if you watch some of the matches on this card you see little fits and starts in things even cody had some real issues in his match of like okay when you really see like "Eh, that's not how that was supposed to go that doesn't happen in Young Bucks matches. They always hit everything just like they intended to do, or they at least make it look like it's what they intended to do. And uh, they go so smoothly from spot to spot. They're just, there's a reason why, I don't think it's all bullshit, Jim, what Jim Ross says during every Young Bucks match about how much he really likes them, because I don't think he's capable of completely putting his own feelings uh, aside. Even in this style, they're so good at it that Jim Ross can't help but deny it. I, I just wanted to talk quickly, and they should have. I was hoping to be able to talk about this in the uh, context of them winning the tag titles, but they're just so good, and we should uh, stop to acknowledge that from time to time. They're really great, and where I really first started to enjoy them was in like that period where they were doing a whole bunch of six-man tags, um, whether it be in PWG or with uh, Omega or with AJ Styles or with Adam Cole. They were doing a bunch of these, and it's like their ability to – not only work smoothly, but also to like uh, uh, coordinate the match. Like they make the people in the match with them way better. Like you could have a six person match granted, you know, their partner's probably a really good wrestler, but like even like PWG where they're going into the crowd and they're going, uh, you know, across the building. And like, it still just seems like it's all like all of a sudden the, the fans and the audience members there are like perfectly in sync with the young bucks. And it's whatever it is, they just, uh, they have that ability to make everything seem like it's going exactly as planned. One thing that I wanted to shout out in that match was um, right at the, the beginning, I think Matt had reversed Scorpio Sky, so he gets him up on 
his shoulders and had him like in the fireman's carry position. Uh, and as he did that, Nick Jackson went and climbed the turnbuckle like he was preparing for the double team. Scorpio Sky ended up like reversing it and getting off his shoulders. So Nick got back down. But just that little bit of like, you know, th this isn't all charted out and planned. Like the Young Bucks have to sort of react dynamically in the fiction of the match where Nick has to be ready to do that double team move at any time. And it's like just that little bit of detail. Like a much lazier wrestler would have stood on the apron and been like, well, we're not really doing the move. So I'm not going to get up there right now. But they just, you know, did that little bit extra effort. We we're like, oh, even though this is like, super high octane young buck stuff like they're still pretending it's a fight yeah and like that's one of the really cool things about them and i think that a lot of people have them them like pigeonholed as like this one style of tag team and we'll we'll get into the the finish and the booking later but if anything these first seven months of aew have shown just the incredible versatility of the young bucks because this match was more of a Southern style tag match. And they've done like other like traditional, like Crockett style tag matches, especially at full gear. And, it, and then like last week they had a full and plundered guerrilla war warfare match. And it's just something that like you watch them. And as someone who's watched them for the majority of their prominent career, like I didn't watch like their random California indie stuff before PWG or their first times in Dragon Gate. They've, kind of realize like they are the swiss army knife of professional wrestling tag teams like i know they can go do a sprint spot fest i know that they can go do a long drawn out work a hold and i know that they can do talk and brawl and it's just something that like when you watch them you're just like oh okay and i think a lot of people's like preconceived notions if they're willing to like somehow unclog their brain and like watch how they've been over the last six months you will see a uh incredibly dynamic and mature tag team that ne not necessarily gets the reputation of that that they deserve yeah they rule uh i'm now seeing that i didn't even include the dark order angle on uh, on the delete possibilities on the run sheet i'm sure somebody's gonna bring that up uh but nate what is your delete choice for the week okay i'll bring it up um because it's you know the the source of all the discourse surrounding this show here and for good reason, because, you know, there's a, a, an old maxim in wrestling that if the end of the show is bad, then the show is bad. If the end of the show is good, then the show is good. It's what you leave the audience with. And as I've argued before, professional wrestling is like an advertising medium. You're advertising people and trying to push them to stay tuned and come back the next week. Uh, and basically, we had a, uh, I, I guess, probably I would say it's a dud of an angle at best. At best, I would call it a dud of an angle because it really didn't get the superheated reaction that they were probably looking for, where, uh, of course, SCU defeats the Young Bucks and then the Dark Order creepers come out and lay waste to the Young Bucks and SCU and then Cody, who comes for the save, and Christopher Daniels, who comes for the save, and Kenny, who comes for the save, and Dustin, who comes for the save. And all these guys fall victim to the Dark Order and the creepers uh, in particular and the Beaver Boys who are then anointed official creepers. Uh, and yeah, at best, I would say this was flat because the crowd wasn't into it. At worst, this was like did active damage to the perception of the promotion and uh, to those top stars in particular. Like I really like John Silver and, and the Beaver Boys. And I even, uh, you know, for the most part, really like the Dark Order matches. But put it, your big show closing angle being an attack with all these goofs in skin tight bodysuits 
taking out Kenny Omega and Cody, who are like your top, you know, two of your top five guys, probably. Uh, that's, I don't care for that. It's not a main event act. I, uh, you know, last week I came on the show and put over the fact that uh, they have really good tag team division in this promotion. I just don't think the Dark Order Act, even as they've tweaked it now, is a main event act. It's just the the gear is not major league. The creepers are not major league. It's like, you know, a, a step above Chikar or something. And it's just not a main event, mainstream wrestling promotion act that should be in this position. And when like when you talk about this, like and, and this will get into my delete, which is to finish the match itself. Because I'm of two minds about this. I feel like that this works both ways because I agree with what you're saying, Nate. Like they did this rehab, they then they try to do this huge escalation of the Dark Order and now going from like a tag team with a bunch of geeks now to a stable of some fashion. And it came off incredibly flat. It possibly to damage to their top line faces. And it makes me wonder like how much of it relates into the fact of, yes, it's a failure. Well, like that angle is an outright failure, but how much of it was the failure caused with how flat the crowd was after the bucks lost and lost in like that very trying to the best way to put it very deflating manner. And I think that has something to do with how the perception of that angle is because Yes, it's Corpus Christi. We know the Corpus Christi reputation for the fans, and we saw how they were most night. If the Bucks won, like they probably should, because it's something that they've did a great job of building, and it made sense that the Bucks, you know, like I know a lot of people are like, oh no, the elite has been it's been hurting them to the detriment of the elite, them how they've not been pushed. Like this was the perfect time to go off air. They built up the whole thing with the Bucks and SEU's relationship really well across light, not light, across dark and uh, across dynamite. This was like the perfect thing, but instead you had a very flat finish where it was just they where they kind of made them look like geeks. Like let's, let, let's call spade a spade. It was like Matt, Matt Jackson got dumped on his head and then an SEU later. And that was it, which made them look like geeks. And then the crowd was already like, Oh, this is okay. And then you have, the, the giant goon squad come down here. And then you have beaver boys come down here. And then the, the goon squad beats the shit out of all the top line faces with the exception of John Moxley. Like how's the crowd supposed to react like that? Like, in, unless you're taking them from a high to a low instead, you just had complete flatness because of the finish that happened in the match before. So as I said, I'm a, I feel like there's two reasons there are two results that caused this to happen. One being the dark order, not being a made of an act like you said, Nate, and then also having such a poor finish to the, tag team championship match that there's no gravitas to the moment whatsoever. And uh, just on that point, I think Kaz got the pin, right? Scorpio should be getting the pins in that team. And I just, the, the SCU, uh, you know, I, I thought the young Bucks should have won the title in the first place. I don't think SCU is like a main event uh, team in this division either. Like it should be like the Bucks, the Lucha brothers, Santana and Ortiz, like those are your main event acts for the tag league. The motherfucking AEW defender has logged on. Oh, no. The angle was good. How, how do I log off? I'd like to log off, please. The angle was good. Here's why. Here's what you're all missing about why this angle was good. Okay? The Dark Order is a main event act. They've already decided that it's a main event act. Okay? They've given us 
I mean, they fucked up from the beginning, right? They said <laughs> this team is going to be in the main event with the Young Bucks. And, well, with the best friends originally, right? And it it failed miserably. But they told us from the beginning they wanted that to be the finals of the original tag team tournament. They wanted the Dark Order to probably win that tag team tournament and get this whole thing started. Well, it failed. Then they start building them up with the, the vignettes each week, which you guys loved. Don't pretend you didn't love them. You did. I was the one saying they weren't that good. You all were defending them. I loved 65% of them. The woods was goofy. Yeah, the yeah. woods thing sucked. So they they built them up as to they're going to be this new thing where the people join in the dark order. People are coming along. The Beaver Boys are joining. Now they're going to dump them back in the main event. They're ready to go. The best way to do that is to do just what they did. So if the crowd didn't get it this week, that doesn't mean it's over. There's plenty of time. And by over, I mean that doesn't mean it's finished. There's plenty of time left for this angle to work. And for the Dark Order to get over in this way. I mean, look, did they take out a lot of the top baby faces? Yes. But there were like 20 of them. I mean, they were way outnumbered. It only made sense. It would have been, they would have been dead on arrival if the faces won this this uh face-off here. I don't disagree. Like the the, you know, they had the numbers advantage. That makes all the sense in the world. But optically, it's Kenny Omega and Cody getting, you know, knocked out by a bunch of shitty looking local indie guys in goofy minor league bodysuits. This, the execution of this angle was not helped by the fact that before the blackout, there was the shot of the one significantly overweight creeper who was not fitting into his creeper outfit super well. And JR made a joke like, Oh, I guess they take all types or whatever. And it was like, it made him come off like a joke. And then the joke, like, trampled all over these guys like I, so so what this should have been or what this maybe this was intended to be was like the angle at the end of the new japan show where tama tonga and tonga loa and haku turned on the rest of bullet club and laid them out and left them destroyed in the ring right that's what this is supposed to be like oh my god what a huge attack they killed these guys and destroyed them and everything it was a betrayal this was did not come off like that at all uh one because of the crowd heat was not there two because the creepers look like uh, the fucking putties from Power Rangers. And then three, this was done to establish that the Beaver Boys are in this unit now. But the crowd doesn't care because the Beaver Boys have been the literal jobbers of jobbers in this promotion and have been explicitly called jobbers. And yeah, I get it. That's the premise of the Dark Order is they want to help people who keep losing or whatever. But it's just, you're not going to get a, a, a hot reaction by having the jobber stable add some more jobbers. There's it's gonna two, work. It's gonna work. There's two things that I had that they could have made this work and this would have been completely effective. And Nate, you could agree with me on this or like not. One, Thank they you. needed they needed to get hardway blood on Matt Jackson rather than just his busted lip. When he did the whole mouth, the hand mouth thing with the blood, like that was a good idea to like end it, but brother, you gotta have juice for that. Like, like they would have to like leave them bloody and bleeding. And two, there was one other creeper that was wearing a purple or blue mask Rip a, that was a little bit bigger. Rip that off, and that had to be Hangman Page. That would have been the two ways to make this actually look like this. I think it could have it could have helped out this thing. But with the way it was, like, you had a bunch of geeks, and you didn't even like get, like, a bunch of body guys for the geeks. Like, you need to get some beef out there. You need to go see what, as played by Julian, has to say about this. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, I, I agree. If it, if it all been body guys, would have been a lot better. Uh, I don't know if that would have helped Evil Uno um, by comparison. He had a good uh, jacket on. Yeah, but it's it, it's not. He needs to see Cody's tailor or something. Uh, I don't agree. Hangman Page has to stay all the way away from this stable because he's there's too much potential there, and he should be a star. And you put him in this stable, and it's gonna kill him. Uh, Aaron, I want to ask you: Do you agree that the Creepers look like putties from Power Rangers? I got no fucking clue what putties from Power Rangers look I like. Kinda, I kind of, I kind of had had <laughs> slotted you as a Power Rangers guy for whatever reason. Nope, no, no, nothing. All right, no, Mike, Mike, any Power Rangers thoughts? Oh yeah, no, I did karate because of Power Rangers and Three Ninjas growing up. Like, yeah, no, they definitely definitely are putty. I did my first ever kata and taekwondo class to the Test Your Might song from the soundtrack of Mortal Kombat, the movie, (laughs) as I'm played by a cassette tape. There's some Mike Spears lore. There we go. You've had the Mortal Kombat soundtrack cassette. The Dark Order thing is going to work. I just want you to know it's going to work. This was a good way to start it. I agree that Hangman Page shouldn't be involved. I liked that they point out that Page never comes out, so we get the the Lex Luger sting thing, kind of, between Hangman and Omega. I like that. But uh, you guys, you're just negative Nancy. This is going to be good. I like it. I like it. And I've been shitting on the Dark Order for months. Yeah, it's hard to gauge where you're going to come in on things. So uh, how do you feel about, since this is the big topic du jour, uh, is there enough supernatural magic things happening in this promotion for you between the Dark Order uh, and uh, Chris Statlander is a literal alien? Uh, are you comfortable with the amount of uh, weird Jakara gimmicks happening? No, it all fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, that's that's where I come down. Here's what I'm saying. I'm defending this within the context of the promotion. I don't have any interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> like Okay. I, I talked about this a little bit on, on errands, but it's like too much capital P, capital W pro wrestling in AEW for me right now. Uh, I know that Joe Lanza has probably already done this rant on his show. He did it a little bit on Twitter, but it's true that they're not doing what they told us they were going to do. AEW is not what we were told. So it's uh, it's a little frustrating and a little deflating, honestly, week by week. And we're going to talk about ratings, but... Uh, maybe that's got something to do with with what's happening with the ratings. So no, too much bullshit for me personally. Well, you know who did a great uh, job explaining all that it was me on Wrestling Omakase, uh, where I just talked about how the promotion's big failing has been a failure to set expectations well, and they, you know, the promotion looks more like the promotion we saw at All In, and looks a lot less like the promotion that we were uh, sold in the weeks leading up to it with uh, you know sports based and all that stuff like and they're you know they both can be valid forms of pro wrestling depending on your tastes but it's you know more like one than the other and we were kind of uh sold the other in that lead-up period it's wild that the aberration turns out to be double or nothing because like all in i enjoyed but i was like okay i'm not sure this is really for me i remember thinking at the time and then you look at fighter fest fight for the fallen they were both kind of like fine they were okay Whereas Double or Nothing, I said on the show, was the best American pay-per-view of all time, which I stand by. But And that was that felt like, all right, this is the pro wrestling that I want to watch. It's It kind of reminds me of why so many of us moved over to watching New Japan, right? Because it had more of that sports-based, straightforward pro wrestling 
appeal. And it's kind of, I was hoping that AEW would basically recreate that uh, with, with kind of characters I was more interested in, but uh, it, it kind of looks like they want to do, and I hate to say this because I feel like a lot of dumb people have had this take and I don't ever want to <laughs> agree with dumb people, but it's starting to feel like a light version of, of WWE, like a better WWE. Well, that's what All In was, really. It was sports entertainment done by people without shit in their brains. Um, and yeah, it just, you know, that, that's not to a lot of people's taste, perhaps. A lot of these people maybe got into these acts through New Japan. Um, but as I also made the point of Wrestling Omakase, I don't think you can do New Japan on major American cable television. I don't think that works either. But yeah, they have not found, I think, the middle ground that the majority of viewers want them to find. No, I mean, I think they've been too wrestling heavy, honestly, even from a guy who wants that like that kind of presentation, but without, without selling us these characters, without selling us the people that are behind it. I mean, Mike talked about how great the Jungle Boy thing was. It was like two fucking minutes, man. I mean, and it was the right before his match. You know, where was that the last three weeks getting us built up to this, you know? So that's more of what I'm interested in. It was a lot of the road twos when we we're building up to this promotion. It was like a great presentation. It, I think about like uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, the way they built all the people in that. And that was like a, a sports-based presentation of wrestling. It was excellent. And I, that's kind of what I would like to see here. And it's, uh, it's just not that at this point. But it's also early in this promotion. I don't know that they know what they want to be yet. And uh, we can, so I, it's not like I want to jump off board. I, I want to see what happens here, but there are things that are concerning. All right. I think we've deleted enough. So I, I think we'll just, we'll move on from that. Ratings. We're going to delete some more things, I think, during uh, ratings talk. So AEW gets, I mean, they don't really get the shit beat out of them, but they lose pretty much across the board for the very first time. They come in at 683,000, down from 778,000 last week, and just barely above where they were uh, for the, the Thanksgiving episode. So, you know, that's that's concerning. 30th in the demo, their lowest by far, uh, 0.25, which honestly is kind of right around where they've been. So let's not be too crazy. While NXT put up a 795,000, up about 2%. From last week, 27th in the demo, 0.27. The funny thing about the whole NXT thing is NXT is designed to beat AEW in the rankings, in the ratings, and they just barely did it, finally. I mean, it's a fucking joke to be like, NXT, NXT, you know, like, uh, spare me it. But the real concern is like, what's going on with AEW? Yeah, and I think that's the true story to go with this. Uh, there are... I'm not going to discount this out of hand, even though there were a lot of other, I feel like, uh, environmental reasons for AEW's uh, ratings this week, other than this was the the show had, was not their strongest show they had. And, you know, in-ring, I was pretty happy with it, but the uh, character stuff and just like that, like, yeah, no, that's not necessarily something that's going to bring in new viewers. Worth stating, NXT had basically a takeover-level show by people who follow NXT, that's what they called it. I haven't watched NXT in a year, so I can tell you. And the big thing, at least for American viewers, and this is something that, just to give a sense of it for our listeners from outside the United States, the cable was completely dominated by impeachment coverage. Like, 
to a crazy extent. The only program that was not news-based in the top 10 last week was, or this week, was an NBA game. Usually, you would have the uh, the Road Rules Real World Challenge up there. You had you would have you'd have uh, South Park. You would have I think Love and Basketball. Like like it's it was something that completely just slapped everyone around with it. And then also on broadcast, you had the Mass Singer and the Survivor fin- finale. Yes, Survivor still thing as I've discovered through that. Up, uh, I guess the big thing that like I noticed was that this was a pretty Big drop. The only demo that AEW won pretty strongly was the uh, was the men eighteen to forty nine. With they still had a big drop and they still ended up winning that demo. But pretty much across the board, this was a strong week for NXT and a bad week from AEW. And I think the bad week from AEW more so is the reason for this than NXT more so than anything. Here's my take: is once again, I have a record of being right on this show. I'm not going to go through my whole resume, but last week I said NXT was the hot new promotion that everybody was tuning into, um, you know, and, and we should get on board now. And here we are a week later and I was proven right. So good job by me. Okay. A few things here. I'm fired up on this episode of Everything Elite. I woke up from my nap. I'm energized and I'm ready to just fucking mow down the dipshits. Okay. <laughs> People who say, that impeachment stuff has nothing to do with these ratings. You're dumb. You're just not a smart person. There are, there is a finite population of people who watch cable. There are not new people buying cable to watch AEW. There are not new people buying cable to watch impeachment. Are there some people who just tuned out? Absolutely. But it does make a difference when there's some big thing like this. It's a real thing. Yeah. So I hate that take. It's stupid. It sucks. Quit. And, and with the way that ratings are evaluated, when people turn turn on to watch, each person that's turning on to watch the impeachment stuff, that pulls a rating away and that drops everyone else's rating. Like you can't say that these are not in- interconnected events. You can say there's not a huge correlation between the two. And I'd like to see you make that argument, but you can't just discount it out of hand. Like it's an environment. It's not, it, it's not isolated systems. I don't really want to get in the weeds of like uh, rationalizing the rating or whatever, but it's like a world historical event in a impeachment. It's happened, you know, twice before, and it's a uh, a both sides of the aisle event, and that people with a vested interest on either side are probably going to tune in to see what happens. And we also know that wrestling fans do have a uh, at least partial interest in these things. Like the, you know, before Raw started posting worst ever numbers week after week after week. The first Trump and Hillary debate was like their lowest number in eons because that was like a huge event in politics that everyone turned the channel for. So there is a precedent for this. Right. And we already know that WWE NXT fans will not turn the channel for any reason. Like they are going to tune in. And we already know that AEW fans are less loyal than NXT fans. So that's not surprising. My last point on ratings. I'm not going to I'm not going to defend this rating. It sucks. And they're going down every week. That's bad. But it's a lagging indicator. The people who are saying the show was bad, that's why the rating was bad. It's just not how things work. If the show was really bad, next week will be bad. The the rating next week will be bad. People will stop watching.
because they're not they haven't formed a habit yet of watching AEW. It's not like Raw or, or NXT where it takes longer for that to happen. So it just I don't know. The ratings discourse has become like what I don't like is why the rating is what it is. That's pretty much what the ratings discourse is every week. And it's just boring. It's very boring. All right, let's move on from ratings. I'm going to try to be like happy about something on this show. <laughs> okay, the Lucha Brothers defeated Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. This was uh, a lot like the Young Bucks private party match in that it was basically, I don't know, it's, it's cold open wrong here, uh, Mike. I know you hate the phrase. No, I mean, when you have something that's brought up without like any impetus, not those dumbass like talking <laughs> videos, it's a cold open. So yes, yeah. you are correct here. So uh, they hit a, or Phoenix hit a double foot stomp and uh, into the package pile driver as they do. And Pentagon pinned Kenny Omega as a friend of the show. Uh, uh, fuck. What's his, uh, what's his Twitter account? What uh, are you talking about? <laughs> the Lucha account. The number one Lucha account. Cubs fan? Lucha oh, Cubs blog? fan? That was Lucha blog. It was Lucha blog. Yeah. That's Cubs fan. That, that's Cubs. Dude. Big Come fan on. of the show. So he's going to be really yeah. irritated that I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, I don't know. He has, I mean, he likes to subtweet what I talk about on the show. He hasn't fucking thrown me a follow. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to call him a fan. <laughs> there might be enemies. I don't know. Does I'm he follow? These, does he I'm follow these lunatic haters out here. I don't know. He follows Champ. I think he follows Mike. No, but does he follow the, the oh, everything I elite know. account? Okay. All right. If so he follows MRT, oh not me. I'm going to be upset. Oh, that's <laughs> so the point I was making was that Pentagon pinned the, the AAA mega champion. And I, I stole that completely from Cubs fan. So right before that, Hangman Page accidentally hit Kenny Omega with a buckshot lariat. That continued this story of like a Page and Omega not really being on the same page. So we talked about this match at some length. Anything else on on the match itself? No. Okay, great. So post Wait, I have I have to fact check something, but I'll talk about something else in the meantime. There was uh like we talked about Phoenix being all over the place. He uh like even when he was exiting the ring after doing one of his random run-ins to interfere, he exited by like falling backwards out through the bottom rope while pointing at Kenny Omega on the apron. And it's like he really was. All over the place. Okay, yeah. I think I named the Buckshot Lariat. Uh, I think that was my... I think I came up with that on March 5th, 2016. Uh, uh, but not not directly. Because AJ Styles had asked, tagging the Bucks on Twitter, what he should call his his diving elbow thing or whatever. And I said, oh, you should name like the Buckshot. And I had both of Young Bucks tagged in there. Because it's like, oh, you're tagged with the Bucks. Or you took it from the Bucks or whatever. And that should be the buckshot elbow. Anyway, I think they gave that to Adam Page. So I'm taking credit for that. Okay, excellent. So after the match, Omega and Page, uh, they're they're having words. They start pushing each other. We get Pac on the on the Tron. He's asking if Omega remembers him because I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but Pac did a thing about, you know, I want my uh, rubber match or I'm going to start, you know, wrecking shit, basically. And he says, so you haven't answered my challenge yet. Uh, we see Pac go into uh, the locker room. He sees Michael Nakazawa, who can't even be bothered to watch AEW Dynamite. He, too, <laughs> is concerned about the the sports, the non-sports presentation of Dynamite. He has headphones on, just staring at the wall. And uh, then we see Kenny run to the back. Uh, Nakazawa is gone. So I guess Pac kidnapped him. Uh, the Lucha Bros intercept Kenny. They start beating him down. Uh, but Adam Page intervened. 
you know, you made a face earlier, Nate, but there are real Lex Luger sting vibes in this uh, in this angle. The uh, the Lex Luger. It, so I don't like necessarily disagree, but the actual comparison to do that for was Cody and MJF, and everybody did that comparison. And now you're employing it for a slightly less apt comparison, which is why I was like, oh, that's not what I would use. That's what I like to do, actually. Okay. I don't like your which is which is what exactly? <laughs> so I like to take a comparison that's popular, uh-huh. and then once it just slightly passes popularity, <laughs> I w- apply to something else. Okay, that's, that's a bold like, okay. choice. The thing I do. Mm-hmm. I respect the unique ethos. Thank you. Yeah, uh, this is not the pack I love. Like I'd rather have pack just destroying people, locking in the brutalizer, and that's it. Like this, like. Oh, I'm gonna kidnap Michael Nakazawa thing. Like that's kind of lame to get like a match like him trying to be like a wily villain. Like that's not that's not what Pac's been like for the last year. So I thought that sucked. I kind of like I I assumed he did not kidnap him and he just like killed him or something, which I do is like a good fun sort of vicious bastard thing to me. Also, I just like his when he's this uh, direct uh, shitty heel on the mic. It amuses me. So this, uh, yeah, this didn't bother me really. This was a, a fine storyline beat. I'm interested to see where it goes at least. Uh, we get Darby skateboarding into the building and folks, he's got the sheer shirt back on again. So pure nipples is what I'm saying. You can see the man's nipples. And that's what uh, that's what a star does. Cody and Darby Allen defeated the Butcher and the Blade with the bunny. Cody pinned Blade after the Cody cutter, which I wasn't previously familiar with, but I guess it's a thing. Didn't have a name for it until last night. They just called it like his like springboard cutter, but I think it looks just as bad as the disaster kick. Like springboard, like back, like like centers like that never look good. So, but yeah, but the match itself I thought was a lot of fun. I thought that this was the proper story to be told. You know, I mean, it sucks that Butcher and Blade instantly have lost and are now one in one. But I guess it tells you the importance of having a actual uh, tag team partner who wrestles versus QT Marshall. So yeah, and I'm excited for. Uh, Cody versus Darby round two. I uh, don't mind the Butcher and the Blade losing because I assume they're not going to be a top level act. I assume they're more of like a mid card act. And um, but the Cody Cutter is way better than the Disaster Kick. Like the Disaster Kick could not look softer. It's like the softest looking move in wrestling. The Cody Cutter is like it's just the ass cutter. Um, but people go fucking wild for cutters, and I think all cutters look at least meet like a baseline level of good because it's like the guy takes a front bump. So that alone makes it look like more damaging than the guy lately being kicked in the chest. So that's an unequivocal upgrade for me. I don't even remember what the match was, but I want everybody to apologize to me for the the take that I forget what it was, but some tag team <laughs> with two single stars and everybody was like, oh, see, they're establishing that long-term tag teams are better than two singles wrestlers. Nuh-uh. Cody beat the Blade because Cody's better than the Butcher and the Blade, even if they're an established tag team. Fuck off. Yeah, because they're a mid-card act. But in the main of, or in the opening match, the Lucha Brothers, an established tag team, beat the two single stars of Kenny Omega and Adam Page. So I would prefer... Match. Some other match. But the, the story of that match was, hey, these guys are not on the same page like the brotherly tag team is, so that's why they lost. So it does kind of compute. But the story of last week was Cody's partner is not good enough to beat this team. So we went and got a better partner. So that's just like Darby and Cody are too big of stars. And this is a mercenary 
tag team that's not meant to be stars. They're meant to be, you know, uh, uh, cogs or gears in the machine hired by MJF to advance this story. So yeah, I think it still holds true. Where's the MJF thing going with Butcher and the Blade? No interaction here. Like, they're, they're hired guns. He paid him money. And uh, oh, they did. They had the funny note that MJF might have like <laughs> uh, uh, put his diamond ring on consignment to pay for the Butcher and the Blade or something. But uh, JR fucked it up and said a watch instead of diamond ring. And Excalibur like halfway <laughs> had to cover for it. Yeah, um, so they, you know, they made a little nod to it. That, that's sufficient for me. This was where we got the Jungle Boy video that had been on social media. And it's just like, you know, thanks. you got these good videos. So, you know, put them on TV and build these people. Uh, awesome Kong defeated stardom legend Miranda Alizé uh, with her double underhook face buster, which I learned used to be called the implant buster when she was in uh, the WWE. There you go. Don't know what it's called now. There's a little Brandy inset. She's talking about, okay, Chris Statlander's got a match later. Uh, the bald guy is there, although we still don't see his face. Uh, of course, Kong takes some of her hair afterward. Not much. Not much here. Okay. We got the JR sit down with Jungle Boy. He asks if he's intimidated by Jericho. Jungle Boy says he's not intimidated of the man, Chris Jericho, but he does understand the gravity of the moment. Uh, JR talks about his dad. Of course, forgets you know to mention who his dad might be. Uh, and they basically just say he'd be happy to see where Jungle Boy has gotten. So Tony, when they come back live, immediately shouts out that his dad is Luke Perry so that uh, everybody knows if they're not clear. And clearly, JR was told, if you're going to say Jack Perry, you have to say Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. And that was just floating around in his brain this entire segment, and it uh, fucked his whole entire world up. Then we went straight into the match. Chris Jericho versus Jungle Boy, a 10-minute time limit draw. Started with uh, Jericho enters first, which is fun, you know, because he's the champion. But obviously the point was for him to cut a promo during the uh, advertising break. Uh, Sammy was holding some signs. I don't Do you have some more insight on this, Nate, of, of what was going on since you were watching from uh, a country to be named later? Uh, let's see if I can remember where I was. Um, Iceland, I think. I think I was in Iceland this week. Mm. Um, so I was I, I did not read all the signs, but basically it was a gimmick where. Sammy Guevara was holding signs that were supposed to cut his promo for Jericho because he knew he would be in the picture and picture inset. That was the premise of the bit. Um, I was mostly amused because Jericho kept swearing and stuff because he knew he was in the, in the ad break and he did say whatever he wanted. Uh, yeah, I did not commit the, the science to memory or anything, but uh, I was, I was amused. I, why did he come out through a door? Remember that? Did oh yeah. That? that was weird. <laughs> why was there a door? I don't know. They just set up a door. Like a frame, and it, yeah. Jericho made a joke about the the door that really popped, like Tony. And <laughs> I don't. Was it out there for Jungle Boy's entrance? Not that I recall. Well, we don't. Uh, we didn't see much of Jungle Boy's entrance, did we? I can't remember now. All right, here's what I should have deleted because here's what we find out: that Jungle Boy's sister is a white woman with dreadlocks. White people, stop with the dreadlocks. You know, just let it go. Delete. Delete! Uh, during this match, Jake Hager attacks Jungle Boy on the outside. Uh, Luchasaurus intervenes. So we keep getting these builds for like Jake Hager's singles matches, but clearly the bit is that he's never going to wrestle, right? They're just fucking with us. That'd be tremendous content. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be funny. <laughs> Luchasaurus intervenes. Uh, Marco tries to come off the apron, but gets laid out with a nice looking forearm from Jake Hager. You know, Tony, 
was extremely amused by Marco dying here. They played it back pretty. I mean, so Excalibur and JR were also laughing. They really enjoyed Marco dying in this apron spot. So Jungle Boy survives the 10 minutes. He's in the walls of Jericho for uh, about 90 seconds. Jericho runs out, grabs a mic. He demands five more minutes, tells him to ring the bell. I'm not exactly sure who rings the bell. Uh, Jungle Boy kind of starts getting the better of him. So Jericho just leaves. He grabs his, his belt and uh, starts to walk out. He ends up coming back and flipping out around ringside, which is, you know, his thing. But we learn later that the second five minutes were was not official. So it didn't count. And it was uh, just a draw because obviously he would have lost by count out if uh, if it had been official. Uh, so good job by Aubrey, because the correct thing to do in that situation is to make the call. And then if they review it after the fact, then you review it after the fact. She was using the uh, correct instant replay methodology here and she was making the pinfalls even though she wasn't sure if they would count or not yeah that's my no. head cannon for you no i mean it's the same method that, that they've done in f1 when they had to send something to the stewards they would do things like this like they would they took away people's races this year because they did an illegal thing that made them lose time so yeah you, you let it play out yeah i think aubrey was thinking about you know they're going to send this to the stewards yeah <laughs> I, I, fia is a part of this wrestling promotion and they're going to dock a five second outside penalty to chris jericho for illegal uh i don't know i lost yeah. this bit yeah i like it tony's there on the ramp and he's going to do a little interview with jericho and basically they do some little banter about him saying i said jungle boy couldn't beat me and tony's saying no you said he couldn't last 10 minutes and yeah so they go back this was uh boomery but it was but the idea is funny I like the idea, but it was just like old people humor. No, this was classic pro wrestling stuff. This was very, very right. boomers. Exactly. That's what I no, said. But in, in the like the it never really gets old way. Jericho takes the mic. He says the real story is about the inner circle's good friend, John Moxley. He says the inner circle has been hanging out in their mansion. And then for some reason decides to taunt the crowd that maybe they don't know what a mansion is. Uh, he says it means big house, Casa Grande, which I thought was funny. That did make me laugh. This does bring to mind. So they did in his in his original promo. He was talking about, oh, we brought signs so the people at home can read what I'm saying because they keep tweeting me. Oh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So we brought signs so you can just read along. And then he was like, except you fucking yokels in Texas who obviously can't read or whatever. And the crowd chanted, we can't read, which is like. You can't really complain about Jericho getting cheered or whatever, because like, if a crowd is gonna you know mock themselves to that degree in order to play along with the joke, like you, there's no coming back from that. Like it's just that's the fact of how pro wrestling is now. Jericho says that on the New Year's Day episode, the Inner Circle will have a big surprise for Moxley if Moxley says yes and agrees to join the Inner Circle, and then uh, you know he just has a nice little Christmas wish for uh, John Moxley. So this was uh, very nice. So Jericho beat Cody and the Young Bucks beat Santana and Ortiz and the Young Bucks and Dustin Rhodes beat uh, Santana. No, I'm sorry. Sammy Guevara and Santana and Ortiz. Is that feud over now? Like, I like the idea of having multiple threads between characters in the story, but it seems like the inner circle has moved on and I don't know. I wasn't. I guess I wasn't satisfied with those. If there was to be a blow off between the elite and the inner circle, I guess I wasn't satisfied with it. Yeah, like maybe it's me really wanting a ten man tag or like more like that interplay to actually have a true blow off. Maybe it's the Dragon Gate person in me that believes that 
when two stables face off, there should be one deciding match with everyone in the stables in there on that. But having like that Texas street fight be kind of the last thing, I guess. Yeah, I told, I'm totally with you, Nate. I'm not satisfied unless unless they come back to this and we finally get like a match beyond sometime in the future. Yeah, I think that might be where they're going. And maybe Santana Ortiz, like they were just selling the fact that they lost the big, uh, you know, guerrilla warfare match or whatever. That's fine. I'm just, it, it's not clear at this point in time. And I'm wondering. Yeah, a big thing they fucked up is cooling off the inner circle. Like that was, they were huge at the start of this uh, television show. They were very over and it was good. It might not have been sports based, but it was good pro wrestling. Like it was what I was excited to see. And now it's uh, it's really just Jericho at this point from like the the heated uh, from the from the heat. Fuck, whatever. You know, what oh, no, saying. no, no. Entirely. I remember. Bad. Yeah. Like being live in Charlotte when they had that huge pull apart, like go home to yeah. full gear to now. Like it's like like completely deflated <laughs> fart noise. That was a bad one. I try not to spit on my microphone. All right, we got Jen Decker. She's backstage with SCU. Uh, they're starting to talk about their upcoming match with the Young Bucks, but the Lucha Brothers come out. And Pentagon, I believe, is showing Chris Daniels his botch from last week on his phone. I know that only because I listened to Nate's BTE Quick Hits on AW Light this past weekend. And uh, he Pentagon says Chris Christopher Daniels doesn't have it anymore. Kaz says you got to show him you do. Daniel starts to walk up to him, but simply turns and walks away. So I'm amused by that plug you put in there, because the other criticism that we hear a lot is, oh, they, they do things on BTE and they don't put them on television. And that upsets people because they just want to watch. They want everything to be on the television. They don't want any promos on Twitter. They don't want anything on Instagram. They want every single piece of the of the promotions output to be on television without recognizing that that would be impossible. You were just, you're just doing less content then, which if you want less content, that's fine. But you know, you, you should say that instead, but we just did the same thing. Cause we're saying, <laughs> if you want to know what happened on BTE, you're not getting it here. You got to go to the Patreon and subscribe. Well, but okay. Well that, that is actually true, but you don't have to have seen BTE to understand this because he could just be showing right. how he beat him last week. But this it, was my point. Yes. But right. It was so, yeah. funny that we're doing what they accuse AEW of doing. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to. I mean, there's, you can only do such so long episodes of uh, Everything Elite. All right. Next up, Chris Statlander. De <laughs> Woo! Chris Statlander defeated Britt Baker with the Big Bang Theory. And this will lead to Statlander uh, facing Riho on the January 1st episode. They show a shot of Riho in the audience, which frankly looked fake. I'm not sure she was actually there. Not convinced. But I she haven't. Was done like Instagram research to figure that out. Uh, but I did look and she's not on the 1224 stardom card. She's going to be on one, one. So uh, sadly that means Nate, we're not going to see her on one, two in Shinkiba first ring. Uh, but I just wonder if she's there now, then she must just be staying through the holidays. I don't know. Uh, you know, these, these people do crazy flights to and from Japan uh, with some regularity. It seems like I'm like dreading the 12 hour flight here. We're going to see how we survive on yes. that. Uh, not well. But she was there because I saw somebody posted the the Reho stand that we follow on the EE pod account retweeted, you know, some little girl in the crowd who had a Reho sign and yelled at Reho while she was exiting and Reho gave her like a special wave. He's like, I see you. And the little girl loved it. It's very wholesome stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think certainly the right pick here moving to uh, Statlander versus Reho. That's a match I'm excited to see. 
Yeah, and the match itself, I mean, Britt Baker's not very good, so there were parts that were bad. Uh, that The finish was very good, I thought. Uh, but I'm glad to see that they seem to have accepted that Britt Baker is not the one, and they're, they're kind of, I hope, moving on from that. I'm still pissed about the rankings thing. But at least we're getting Statlander. I, I assume we're going to have like a, a awesome Kong intervention here in this match. Maybe a, I, I'm just not convinced Statlander is going to take the title off of Riho. I'm not either. I think that there's going to be some shenanigans in this match. I hope there's not, but just from how things are and how things were after the match, I'm kind of convinced of that. Yeah, this match was a mess, but the finish was cool about going from the uh, move into lockjaw into the Big Bang Theory. That was kind of a cool moment in the match. That was mostly a giant mess. And then let's talk about how weird and how uh, much of a mess uh, the the stuff after the match was, because that's something else I'm frustrated about as well. Yeah, so Tony Schiavone tries to interview Chris Statlander. She gives him the uh, the nose boop. Okay, one funny thing in this match was when she did the boop thing, which is bad, I, I think is yeah. bad. I think and the boop is the only part she should keep. Of course you do. Yeah, of course. That's very Nate core. So she does the boop, and then boop. JR's like, what the fuck is the boop? <laughs> and Excalibur is like, I think that's how her species uh, communicates. And JR says... Easy now. And I don't know why, but it was very funny to me. Oh, oh no, JR's reaction to that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty great. It, it's just like, I'm not even someone who believes that Chris Statlander has to completely take out like the space alien part of her character is just take it down a notch, you know, like take 20% off of that. And I think it's totally fine. Like the promos that they've had with her on Dark, it's just like her doing nonstop alien puns. And that's, really lame i mean the the whole thing about her getting gouged in the eye with a heel like leading up to this maybe that's where you were saying ab that somehow kong gets involved and maybe that's like she's not medically clear because they kind of make a point on the fact that the heel dug into her eye and if you've like ever messed up your eye you know like that's something that can take a while to heal like especially if you do that if you go of any vein of believability but yeah so i think the the reason the jr line was good was because it was just a little hint or a wink at the audience to be like, we understand that this is silly or this is not to be taken super seriously. This alien aspect of her character. It's like that, you know, released a little bit of pressure from the viewer of like, oh, okay, I, we're on the same page as the people that are watching this fucking show. There is no uh, wink or hint or irony to the dark order at all. It's, all played super seriously there's no like and which is funny because on bte everything is a joke right on bte they approach everything with like a you know a, a little wink a little irony you know an arm's length distance for like this is a little fun pro wrestling joke that we're doing you guys are in the joke with us the dark order they're not doing that at all the dark order is like oh no we're seriously we're we're a dangerous cult of masked weirdos and we're so serious that we're going to take out your whole top stable in the promotion at this point. I think that's kind of the difference to me. Like the boop is like just, you know, it's not super straightforward and serious. It's like, yeah, it's a little silly. That's kind of fun. You know, I, I do I totally agree with Mike, but they need to tweak it and tone it down. So we're not supposed to believe that she's actually being presented as a literal alien. But 
that still the the there's a little bit of humor to it whereas the dark order is like deathly serious about something that's obviously extremely silly yeah that's why i say take 20 percent off it like she's totally like her skills are there and there's like aspects of it that you can play into it like the boob thing but like did you watch her promo on dark knight yeah yeah it's take 20 percent off that talk 20 percent less i think is actually the answer for that so this I don't, i'm not sure exactly what happened here brandy comes out she is uh, mad that someone didn't turn on her goddamn microphone i could hear her right could you hear her yes she said tony like two or three times yeah everyone could hear her but she apparently did not think we could hear her she was very mad so she congratulates uh chris asks her if she's with the nightmare collective they learn i guess that chris can't talk because they refuse to let her talk <laughs> during this segment she wags her finger no uh, turns the wag away, was very Kong. good. Good physical presence to her wag. She sold the it shit was. out of the wag. It was good. Uh, she tries to walk up the ramp, but Kong and Melanie Cruz are there. So she turns back the other way and Brandy hits her with a heel. I thought in the head, but I guess maybe in the eye. And Sadie Gibbs comes out to check on Chris. Sadie, we haven't seen you in so long. Very exciting. Mike, I thought you had something to say about this uh, very bad angle. No, I already said it. Did you not pay okay. attention to me three minutes ago? Yeah, I was paying attention. Damn. <laughs> Fell back asleep. He was napping again. <laughs> I would love to go back to sleep. We get Sean Spears and uh, Tully Blanchard. Just could not think of the guy's name. They're backstage, and this just is they're just saying tag teams are important in AEW, and Tully's still looking for a nice partner for Sean Spears. So, okay. He was Sean Spears. I, we're just recapping every segment, which is fine. He's just like, I'm going to get over in this promo. We're doing this conversation. <laughs> and Sean Spears is like, I'm going to make big choices in this. And I'm going to fucking chime in and do little bits when Tully's talking. And just like, he was like, I, I got to do it. I got to do something. He was super physical. Like, that was the thing. Like, he was like grabbing his shoulder, grabbing his arm. It was a bit much. You know, again, take 20% off it. Yeah, my man I mean, was. He, he does have to do something. but My man was, thought he was in a play when he's really on TV. Like that was, that was the acting we were getting there. Right. This is marriage story quality here. Oh, now that's a, that's a uh, timely reference. Very appreciated. Have you, you watched marriage story? No. You just, just watched the clips you saw on Twitter. Yeah. Well, and then I listened to podcasts where they made fun of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. My favorite thing was, yeah, was the tweet about somebody saying, can you believe that they just said all the words that were in the script? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That rules. I will never watch that. Not in a million years. No, couldn't pay me. We see the Young Bucks video that was on Dark about, you know, kind of that they haven't really fulfilled their promise as like the best tag team in AEW. Again, glad they showed this on Dynamite. And then SCU defeated the Young Bucks, as Nate mentioned, uh, Kazarian pinned Matt after the SCU later. Although, I mean, I didn't want to also get into this earlier, but Matt did have, they did play throughout the match that Matt had uh, an injury that kind of led to, him being pinned in the end. So I I hated that. I mean, the Young Bucks should win, but right. I, I didn't hate that they, the way they did it. it was yeah. Fun. No, like this is where I said, like this was like a very good, like Southern style match. Like he just was the wrong result and it made the, made the audience flat. But we've already talked about that. So yeah. Uh, Creepers come out, lights out, Young Bucks. Uh, this is Uno on the mic. He says, Young Bucks, you suffered a tough loss. Normally we'd ask you to join the Dark Order, but this isn't an invitation, it's an initiation. This is when the whole creeper attack starts. All the baby faces come out. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, 
Stu Grayson. No, Evil Uno puts his hands in, puts his hand in, in Matt Jackson's mouth. It's hand mouth stuff. Yeah. I mean, hand but... in the mouth, hand, hand mouth stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see what's so complicated about this. I'm seeing the hand mouth stuff. Okay. The point of it here. Be creepy. Because he has. He, was I the one who noticed that Matt Jackson was bleeding from his mouth? Yeah, no, was bleeding yeah, from yeah. mouth. He just needed to bleed more to make the hand mouth stuff more like okay. Like, but he didn't like rub it on his face. He showed his hand. Yeah. He's like, oh, I've got his blood on my hand. Well, then he, there wasn't enough blood. It, it was yeah, bad. that's yeah, what I you're, said. You're correct that there wasn't yeah. enough blood, but I think it was, you know, uh, not intentional blood. I think yeah. it was he bit his tongue or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. AB, he tried to do the Mayu Yatani. Like, yeah, sure. That would have been better. The Dark Order <laughs> should use the Mayu Yatani pose. That'd be good. Uh, they see those chant, pictures we of, are uh, one. of Mayu and Arisa trading with Kojima. I have not watched the video yet, but I, I most certainly will. Oh, is the video? Yeah, there's the video. Yeah, it, it's yeah, good they, that they're loading these up on Stardom World now. Yeah. Okay. It's good that they're that Arisa is going through all this training because Konami's winning. Like that's good for her that she's doing all this because it'd be good if she learned how to be a good wrestler. That would be that'd be good for her. I, I like do not share all the takes of <laughs> Aaron Bentley here. Let me make that clear. But Konami's still winning. I think I'm gonna get an Arisa two shot. Both because I want one, and just because it would really needle Aaron in an entertaining way. You have to do the thumbs up with her. Like, has to be the most enthusiastic thumbs up as possible. Nate, I Aaron, would you, like would you take thing. the photo? Would you take the photo if I did that, or would I have to get a stranger to take my photo for me? Nate, I'd be happy to help you in any way that you need while we're in Japan. Okay. Uh, I expect you to like bad things, so it doesn't it doesn't uh, bother me. It's fine. It's fine. I'm supportive. I'm very I'm very chill now. Yeah, no, I've, I noticed. Yeah, very I'm, very, today's episode. <laughs> I'm very chill now and uh, I'm leaving insecurity behind in 2019 and uh, it's almost over. So I'm not going to be insecure anymore in 2020 and I'm just going to be chill about things. We're going to we need a new nickname for you then because you were zero chill, AB. Yeah, that's you tough. Be 100 chill, AB. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like that. Now? I'm going to, have to make an entire new blingy thing for you <laughs> i'm really disappointed about this change other than your mental health which i support but i like having something funny on my phone to throw up whenever you have zero chill lose it yeah. i mean i did post like that, that I, people were dumb today so I, have, I haven't made it there yet okay they chanted we are one as the show ends i'm not sure if i said that yet but that is what happened dark tapings colt cabana was on commentary so he's finished up with nwa and or is that true with Ring of Honor? He finished up with somebody with the Ring of Honor. Yes. And yeah. the presumption is like if he was going to continue being freelance in some capacity, then he wouldn't need to explicitly finish up anywhere. So one That's presumes fair. that he's going to somewhere in a more permanent capacity. All right. Well, maybe he'll do commentary for AEW. The matches that they taped, Sammy Guevara versus Brandon Cutler. There was a four-way with Proud and Powerful, The Hybrid Two, Best Friends, and Private Party. And Joey Janela took on Sean Spears. Hold up. So Sadie Gibbs was here. That's right, yes. And all she did was be someone supporting Chris Statlander came back to the back from England. Like, Yes, they flew her in from the UK. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't live in the UK anymore. But let's assume that they flew her in from the UK to walk out and appear concerned about Chris Statlander. And we also had Riho in town. Oh, I mean, that's yeah, right. Riho over Sadie. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. You could Not even like... a women's match on this, on this dark taping. 
No. Here's what I want to be clear about. Next Wednesday is Christmas, so we will not be doing AEW Light. I will never fucking watch this show. Never. Ever. Oh, I might like do a like little review for Patreon. I mean, I'll watch it. Damn it. I, I mean, All you don't right, have to, I buddy. I'll watch it. No, no. We already <laughs> said there's no light next week. I just like making content. I'm a content. Okay. I'm a fiend for content. I'm fiending for content. And I this this four-way tag match is incredibly my shit. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you You definitely would like that. All right, there's no AEW Dynamite next week, so we're not going to have our normal show. We will have a year-end review awards show for you all, so look forward to that. When you get tired of your family uh, the day after Christmas, you've gone and you've decided to stay too long, uh, we'll have content for you. So that'll be exciting. Uh, January 1st in Jacksonville, Florida, Daly's Place. We know that MJF is going to reveal his stipulations for agreeing to wrestle Cody. I mean, that happened a few weeks ago, and they haven't mentioned it again, but uh, I'm sure it's happening. Uh, Jericho has his surprise for John Moxley, and Riho will battle Chris Statlander for the AEW Women's World Championship. I don't know of anything else that's been announced, but probably there is something that I forgot. Cody and, uh, Cody and Darby. Co was that actually announced? Or at least it was implied. Okay. Yeah. I can't say anything further about this. That may be a match next week. Here's some other stuff. What did we know this? The four AEW pay-per-views are are going to be forever. Full gear, revolution, double or nothing, all out. This was in that UK interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, like we knew there were gonna be four. I figured there always would be one in Chicago. I was hoping that they would it would probably be all, all out makes sense for the name. Double or nothing for Vegas. Okay, fine. Full gear and revolution, though, suck as pay-per-view names. Let's call a spade a spade here. They're bad. They're bad. Yeah. Revolution uh, is fine to me. It's real EFED as hell. Well, yeah, this is this is an EFED. <laughs> okay, I say it is an EFED. Dynamite is also an e literally an EFED show. Uh, the Revolution tickets go on sale Friday, December twenty at twelve Eastern, eleven Central. So if this is up by then and you've listened to it by then, then you know well, all the all the pre-sale codes are on our Twitter, so you can buy tickets now if yeah. you do that. Oh, um, sure, I got to do that. I got to do that, and I got to buy fucking Christmas gifts for my. Nieces and nephews, so should probably do that. Get tickets to AEW Revolution. Well, they don't live here, so they'll, they'll need to go back out toward uh, like Virginia Beach or something and do a pay per view there. Okay, well, I can't help with that. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna make it out. I mean, I guess when it gets closer, maybe I'll look for. Uh, you know, there'll probably still be tickets available, so maybe I'll look closer. But as of now, not planning to go. My uh, normie friends jumped news. on this. And wanted to go. Um, one of whom is bringing their girlfriend, who apparently has become a big Chris Jericho fan in their in their time watching Dynamite. So, getting over with the new to wrestling audience, at least. Uh, they Cody said they're gonna they're gonna go to the UK in 2020. Maybe they can have Sadie Gibbs on that show. Uh, Cody on Marty Skrull. Marty is going to do what Marty is going to do. We all love Marty. Anything he does in the next few weeks or months, I wouldn't look at as permanent for him. He's very much testing the waters here and there, and that's pretty much all I can say on Marty. Is Marty already signed? That's my question to you two. No, I would presume not. I don't think they would. I don't think he'd be on NWA if he was already signed. I think. I don't think he's signed. I. I don't explicitly agree with the whole entire thing about him. I was expecting him to end up at NXT personally, but it, I just think. I have a feeling that like he's also still the Ring of Honor six man tag team champion too. 
like and he was at tapings after the contract like it's not like that's a the most like earth shattering thing or like a, a an indicator of anything but like i don't know like 50 50 i don't know man maybe he's gonna go hang out with billy corgan for the rest of his life he does him i don't know last note here wrestlecon said on twitter that AEW talent will be allowed to do autographs and photo ops at uh, Mania Weekend this year, but they are not allowed to wrestle, not even non-exclusive talents. So real independent contractor shit going on in AEW. Yeah, if you're not exclusive, you should be able to wrestle. Like, pay, make them pay you for your exclusivity, which means you should be under a full-time contract and actually be under a contract, which means you're not an independent contractor. Uh I know that like this would be probably my first mania in the last four years that I'm probably not going to. There's just nothing there unless like somehow something big gets announced and all the things and like doesn't make like it's happening. So, I mean, that sucks. I mean, like for someone like the younger wrestlers that need a ring time, this could have been a good opportunity for them to get more ring time since, you know, over a weekend that they're not going to be running a show. But I mean, shit sucks. Now, this is good. I don't think you want uh, AEW looking like the WrestleMania minor leagues. Um, I mean, it kind of depends on who is exclusive and who is non-exclusive because we really don't know that. You know, we don't know if an act like the Beaver Boys is under some sort of uh, negotiated exclusive contract. But if part of their contract up front is, hey, you know, uh, you're going to be an independent contractor. We're going to have first priority on your dates. Uh, You know, you can work, you know, these other indies provided that, you know, that doesn't conflict with something we're doing. And they say, and you can't work on WrestleMania weekend. If that's part of their upfront negotiation and that's negotiated in the terms of the contract, I'm fine with that. It sucks. That's my take. All right. Uh, I think that's it. At everything AEW. At Aaron like the car. At Epitasis. At Fujiheya. Subscribe. Rate, review. Go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Nate, you have one more point. We do have a new review on the oh, podcast yeah. app Hot from JD, JD Oliva. Thank you for the very nice review. Five stars says it's become of one of his favorite, his or her or their favorite podcasts. And they say, I appreciate the guy's takes, especially their political takes. So no explicit reference to uh, a request for us to talk to, to talk about anything. But anybody have any political takes they want to get out here? Perhaps about the impeachment uh, or the British election or... Uh, d- d- oh, Sarkozy. I have, I have local local <laughs> takes about what's happening in in upstate South Carolina. Do y'all want to hear about those? Dying to hit me. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have a really what's turned out to be a very corrupt police department and sheriff's department. And it's just been That's surprising. It's the, oh yeah, in the South, yeah, and in the South and the United area, States of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, United States of America and South, where there is a street that that people have been fighting to overturn its name because it's named after a very racist governor. Yeah, so there is a, a couple of years ago, we had our sheriff under indictment. He got found guilty, and now it looks like we're going to have our police chief under indictment. And now people are trying to run for sheriff, and none of them are really talking about giant police reform. And that's, that shit sucks, and it's one of those things that, you know, this is a, I mean, I live in the South. So, I mean, that's, there's certain things I, I know that you, you both know that, like, happens in the South, that, like, you, a lot of it is systemic, and it sucks. And this is just like further perpetuating things like in a state that's still trying to heal after certain events over the last five years. So, yeah, that's my local politics take. Uh, uh, Jezza, you know, that's that's a bummer. There's a there's apparently a debate on right now. 
I just got I got text while we're doing this yeah. from like that. But uh, oh yeah, Tulsi Gabbard somehow like does crazy amount of billboards in South Carolina, like an insane amount of that. and a lot of coke. Yeah, for sure. Any any takes on Donald Glover being in the Yang Gang, Aaron? Uh, sounds about right. I mean, yeah. it's what I would expect for somebody like okay. Donald Glover. Mm. I don't know. Ariana's richer and she's a Bernie bro. Yeah. She's like the only smart, rich person. Very Ariana. Smart. She's yeah. very smart. Big fan. Um, I got a few takes. Hit me. Uh, prison should not exist except for cops. Speaking to Nate's, I'm sorry, to Mike's point. Yeah. Impeachment. My take is, um, the guys in the green room ran out to inform uh, Creeks, who had gone on first, that Trump had been impeached, and they they stopped the show to announce that Trump had been impeached. Did they announced that he had been <laughs> compromised to a semi-permanent end. Yes, yeah. So that was funny. Um, impeachment obviously is like stupid because you know nothing's going to happen. Uh, wake me up when someone gets in trouble. Uh, my take on the British election, uh, fake country. <laughs> okay <laughs> uh bernie's gonna win those are all my takes all right i think that rounds it out really i think we covered everything Nate, what's your political takes uh that was uh, the yang gang was the only one i had in my uh in my holster here to bring up um i thought the this is america song sucked honestly i was like all the way out on his music uh, but then I like rediscovered the song Heartbeat like two weeks ago. And I was like, it's like, you know, you ever have that thing happen where you don't like the current music. And, but then as you age, like the current music, you, you like the old current music. You didn't like more than the now current music. Yes. It's like how I feel yeah. about Donald Glover now. Kind of, it's kind of like how, when I was, uh, you know, uh, 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 I guess I would have been a young adult and like fallout boy was really popular. And I was like a oh, fucking fallout boy, but now fallout boy is like, practically of my generation even though it's really after my generation it's so probably bad like, rock yeah so i'm like and i'm talking about old fall boy obviously the new fall boy sucks but this is my point is that even old music that sucked you like better than current music just because it's like familiar to you uh what i like to do is watch tiktoks find out what songs the the kids are listening to and then listen to those songs so that I can. So you have a TikTok. I was thinking about making a TikTok. I didn't uh, dive in. I have a TikTok. I've never posted anything on TikTok, but I do like to watch the TikToks. Yeah. Seems like I would get uh, lost in that app for hours at a time. That's exactly what happens. You can just scroll forever. And uh, But I feel like I've heard some new songs that I wasn't familiar with from it. So that's cool. I've been listening to uh, Teen Fight Radio on the, the Street Fight Patreon yes. feed. It's been so good. Hearing some stuff. Yeah, hearing stuff about what uh, Gwen, uh, Brian's daughter, is into. And it's like, I don't know, it's good to keep up with the kids so you don't become curmudgeonly. Yes. Yeah. I do like Billie Eilish. You know, there's a, there's a handful of acts that, of course, pick out of every sort of little, uh, little wave. Sure. But, you know. Stuff. Yeah, we're gonna. How do you, Nate? How do you say the the group that we're gonna see in Japan? Cyber. It's just cyber. C y eight e r, but it's cyber. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was confused. If it was supposed you're to not, be, cyber, you're not familiar with elite speak. I think, no. I think it qualifies as elite speak. I'm very. You know what? A three is an e. This is this oh, is our sure. generation. Yeah, yeah. So sure, the, the eight is a b is the idea. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad I didn't say what I thought it was called then. Okay. Sci- Sci- oh, 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 yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. I was like, is it yeah. cyber or Cyater? That was my only real okay. question. So we're gonna see. Uh, we're going to see at least one idol group, if not more, at this. Uh, it's, it's like a, an it's idol a festival, so it really depends on what day or what time we get there. Yeah. Aren't Up Up Girls there? I believe yes, Up Up are. Girls are there. There's it's two venues, it's two Zep venues in okay. close proximity to each other, so you can go back and forth. We hear. Real so fair. maybe we'll see. This is this is Up Group Girls parentheses one. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Up Group Girls. Parentheses, parentheses two or parentheses pro res. Okay. No, we are. I think factions. it is about girls. Parentheses pro wrestling. Okay. I don't. I'll have to check. Yeah. But they're so busy. We're going they're, to an idol. They, they have. Yeah. That's the point. It's gonna be That's dope. The point, so. Hopefully. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it should be fun. If if not, it'll at least be something like that you wouldn't Unique, get to do yeah, otherwise. Like, so yeah, that'll be cool. For sure. All right. Well, I did all the plugs. So that's it. Go to our <laughs> Patreon. Most importantly, Patreon.com. Slash everything elite. Look out for that new Wicca phase XEE content. It'll probably maybe next month or something. I, his tour is over tomorrow, I think. So maybe we'll uh, hook up after we get back from Japan. Okay, that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. <laughs>